Welcome to Beyond the Balance Sheet, the podcast that helps advisors, clinical professionals, and affluent families understand the complexities of issues related to our mental, physical, and emotional well-being. Our co-hosts, Arden O'Connor and Diana Clark, will interview a series of guests on a range of topics, providing informative content and practical tools for professionals and families to consider. Here are your hosts, Arden and Diana. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Beyond the Balance Sheet. This is one of your co-hosts, Arden O'Connor, speaking today, and I'm here to welcome Joanna Gordon-Martin, who is an esteemed colleague who runs Thea Senior Solutions. This is Diana Clark, and I want to welcome you, Joanna. I have to pick your brain about a few things myself, so you are a very welcome guest. Terrific. Well, thank you for having me, ladies. I'm pleased to be here. We are excited to have you. And and maybe for our listeners, it would be most helpful if you could start, Joanna, just by giving us a little bit of background on you and your company, Thea Senior Solutions. Sure, sure, Arden. So again, I appreciate being here. So I um, founded Thea back in 2015, uh, really out of my own personal need. Um, at the time, I was a busy biotech executive uh, with a job where I traveled globally, mom to a whole bunch of kids. Um, So I come from a family of physicians. I always say I know enough to be dangerous when it comes to navigating the healthcare system and know the questions to ask. And I found myself uh, really in a tough spot as my mom uh, was getting older and was living about 1,500 miles away from any of the kids. And she had a fall and it led to a cascade of events that made us realize how ill-prepared we were in so many ways to tackle the issues of aging. Um, And what I found uh, in many ways was just a very challenging environment, a fragmented system, uh, a system that was not necessarily focused on the benefits of the older adult or how to help a family alleviate uh, the situation. And after several months of flying back and forth from New York to Florida to try to address things, I kept saying there has to be a better solution out there for a comprehensive way of looking at building circles of care around older adults at times of vulnerability and families around times of vulnerability. And with that, um, I left uh, my job. I had a a company at that point that did um, consulting for the biotech industry, helping to raise capital, but spent a lot of years working at companies like Celgene and um, Bristol-Myers Squibb. And... uh, you know, kind of jumped both feet in on, on this situation. And, um, you know, that's a little bit about me. My background is primarily on the business side, but has always been on the healthcare focus side. Wow. I am so glad there are people like you out there. I have four parents, three of whom are in their mid to late 80s, and nobody is talking about aging planning. What do I do? Yeah, so Diana, that's not... Um, Unfortunately, not uncommon, and we are big believers at Thea in proactive planning, um, and I think in some ways the pandemic has honestly helped to force the conversation, but I think it's a conversation that many people just avoid. Um, many times, people that come to us uh, as a company looking for somebody to sort of quarterback their situation, they're in crisis, right? And they have a lot of opinions about what should be done. And it's often an adult child, and it's a weird place of role reversal. And they will say things like, my mother needs to do this. My mother needs to move. My mother needs care. Um, One of our first questions is, what does your mother think? 
And mm-hmm. when you ask the question, where do we start or what do we do? It really does start with a conversation. Um, and that is, you know, oftentimes the first place is, is being able to uh, allow people to express their feelings about what they may want while they, they still have choice. Um, and I think, you know, I, I'm certainly glad to give you some thoughts around the specifics of how to structure that if that would be helpful. Anything you provide would be helpful. But I do wonder, <laughs> as somebody who works with families, mm-hmm. just sort of how much psychoeducation you must have to do to have families honor the opinions and desires sure. of the aging. Absolutely, Diana. You know, I think for a lot of people, the the whole issue of role reversal is awfully difficult. Um, And families often find themselves in a place where they have a feeling of what the older adult should do without really asking the question about what the older adult feels uh, they would do should they have choice, which is what we really want to do uh, when we're looking at planning proactively if we can. So I think back to your question about, you know, four people or three people, four people, three of them over the age of 80. I mean, one, you've got tremendous genes. Um, two, this is a new territory for a lot of us because, you know, many of our grandparents did not le- live as long as our parents are living. Um, and that is in large part due to uh, many advances uh, on the scientific side that are allowing people to stay alive much longer. Um, But it's also the fact that many of the clients we serve are people who have had access to good care, good nutrition, good social environments, um, and they're living on average 15 years longer than the uh, average individual because affluence is a direct uh, corollary to longevity. But if we take a look at what you should do, it really starts with a conversation. And I would say that so often it is putting yourself in somebody else's shoes, right? That's kind of when you say that psychoeducation, I think it's looking at putting yourself in somebody else's position and how it must feel to them to suddenly be in a place now where certain things aren't as easy. Mobility might not be as easy. Cognitive thinking skills may be altered somewhat. And when it comes to the conversation, you know, we call it the conversation, which is a big thing, but it's not going to be just one conversation. It's, uh, and it's tough. It's a, it's a role reversal. Um, there are years of history, lots of family dynamics, and oftentimes a lot of family baggage that goes into this. And parenting a parent or dealing with a spouse that may be declining um, is difficult. So what I would say is... Um, you know, this is something where we want to make sure we're finding the right environment for this to happen. This is never going to be a quick conversation. Um, but it's also one where I think you can start to have a couple of paths that you can go down. One, if you say, you know, if the question is, when do I know that it's time to be making a plan? I think a lot of it is, are there cues that you're seeing that may be of concerns? Are you starting to hear somebody say things like, I don't want to be a burden or I don't need any help. That's often a very typical one. I can make my own decisions uh, or I want to be in control. The way to be able to respond to those things um, is certainly asking, well, tell me more. What does that mean to you? Um, what does being in control mean? How, how would you want things? But it's also if there are times when we're not seeing the cues, it's also can you identify things going on in the home that might be uh, signs that there's time 
to start to, to have a conversation. And it's things, you know, one of the telltale signs is often that bills are starting to pile up or you're seeing burn pots and pans or you're seeing no food in the refrigerator um, or just a general forgetfulness that, that it's not a um, forgetting something on the tip of your tongue, but really asking about a vacation and somebody seeming like they're not remembering any of that. Um, you know, these are times where we do know that it start to really to, to be thinking about things more specifically. And if you're still not seeing those signs, then it is often the the open ended questions that you can be asking things like, you know, mom, if something were ever to happen to you, I'm concerned that I wouldn't know what to do. How would you want me to approach things and see what they have to say? Right. You know, if something were to happen and you were to have an accident or uh, there was a concern, how would you want to be cared for? Would you want it to be in the home? Would you expect that you would be going somewhere? And I think it's it's allowing those opportunities for those conversations to happen. I mean, that's that's the ideal, but that's not always the case. There are plenty of people who are extremely resistant. And the other side to that, Diana, is even if they don't want to have the conversation, there is a lot that you can do to be prepared if you are the person that's expected to act or that they're expecting you to act to be of support. Mm -hmm. So I just put a lot out there. I don't know if all of that. That's great information. And much like what we talk about when we are talking about changing family dynamics in a mental health or behavioral health system, it isn't the big conversation that counts. It is the small and the many and the action steps that back that up. Yeah, yeah. And Diana, I find so often for people, you know, we have this conversation often with advisors, you know, and we find a real difference in how people will approach this. Um, you know, I think for many people, they approach this almost like a business issue. There's a problem, they need to find a solution. How do they identify this? They take a look at what, what the goal is, you know, what's their um, best alternative to a negotiated agreement, and they really approach it as a negotiation, right? That they think somebody needs to move, let's say, and the individual thinks that they are absolutely fine alone in their home, and it's how are we going to find that middle ground? But it is, I think it's the emotion in a lot of this that makes it difficult, and acknowledging it's not going to be just one conversation is is an important piece of it. That's great. Are you noticing, and then I'm going to pass the mic to Arden because I feel like I'm hogging you and she must have questions (laughs) as well. But I'm wondering if you have noticed a significant shift during the pandemic about how these conversations are happening or Mm -hmm. if there's an uptick in them. Yeah, um, you know, absolutely. And I think, quite frankly, in a a very positive way is what we've seen. Prior to COVID, I would say that more often than not, the clients coming to us were the caregivers, um, either an adult child that maybe lived close by and had a really busy job or lifestyle that they couldn't be there at any given moment for anything. Sometimes it was somebody who lived remotely, might be a spouse where there was a difficult diagnosis, a chronic diagnosis, and they still you know, were working and needed to pay the bills and manage kids and just needed some additional support. Um, but it was not as frequent that we were finding older adults reaching out to us themselves. And that that has really shifted quite significantly. I think that the reality of, of how COVID changed uh, lives of vulnerable populations, the elderly in particular, 
um, has made a lot of people think about what their plan is. And we are finding particularly people who maybe thought about buying into a retirement community or a continuous care community where there might be stepped up levels of care over time. Because uh, the COVID was so rampant and is still so rampant in these uh, congregate communities, a lot of people are rethinking how they're going to age and what, what makes for the best types of places to age. So we've been very um, encouraged by that um, and really have put together a very specific program that we call the Thea Healthcare Balance Sheet, um, where we're having people take a look at health as their greatest wealth and what are the different factors that they need to be considering on keeping themselves well from a physical perspective, a social perspective, a cognitive perspective, an environmental perspective, and then financially, how does that all work into the picture? Um, you know, it's a, uh, aging certainly isn't for sissies, right? You know, and it's also, it's not an inexpensive proposition. And I think there are a lot of misunderstandings by folks as to how the costs will be covered. And, and again, it's about choice and, and understanding what the differences are. So we've been really, really encouraged um, by seeing many older adults um, hiring us themselves. And um, it's it's really amazing to, I mean, I just love uh, you know, that that generation. There's there's so much to learn from them. So many stories, um, so much history that's there. Um, and I think when they're not your own family, your your level of patience is also very different. I mean, we find it a, a truly wonderful time, and we're honored to to get to know these people at that stage of life. That's great. That's great. I'm thinking about a cartoon that came out in New Yorker magazine a few years ago with the elderly parents at the door of the clearly the children saying we changed our mind we do want to be a burden yeah <laughs> and i think what you're talking about when the aging population is getting a hold of you themselves they are in fact taking control of that process that's great to hear yeah well and as we say you know i think that what people need to realize is that you always have choice until you don't, right? And, and I think that the choice and being empowered in the decisions that you're making is so important because you don't want to wait until there's been a fall or a fracture. And you know, we certainly don't want to look at things as doom and gloom, but there's a lot that people can be doing to learn about the best ways to age gracefully and longevity and how to manage those things. And um, I think it can be a very productive conversation if people come to it open-minded. Um, I think of a, a gentleman that we started to work with, he and his wife, probably about two weeks ago. And uh, has homes in multiple locations. They're questioning where they should be moving and living. And his first comment was, listen, I can answer all your questions in 10 minutes. I'm very prepared. You know, my advisor has told me I really should be thinking about this aspect of my life, you know, and putting together a comprehensive plan for my future. And we started to talk, and at one point he paused and said, you know what, this is uncomfortable, but I have to have this conversation, right? You know, I've always sort of managed my life, my business, by bringing in people who were experts. And he said, so let's just go ahead and have the conversation. And we don't always get people that are that willing to do it that quickly, but I think the openness and the willing to take control and um, think about the unknowns can be um, very liberating for folks, too. Really interesting, uh, Joanna. This is Arden, and I'm going to switch tacks for just a minute here, which is to ask about the advisor community. So if we think about not only family members and individuals calling you for planning purposes themselves, but we think more globally about 
wealth managers, trust and estate attorneys, family office executives, you know, what prompts them to pick up the phone and say, geez, I think we're going to need a solution for a client um, that we work with. And how do you think about them facilitating conversations with families um, in a way that, you know, honors the preferences of the individuals they're concerned about? Yeah, sure, Arden, absolutely. And I appreciate the question. So, you know, I'll start with maybe the calls that we get that are the most concerning ones. And um, it's often where there is suspicion that cognitive decline is much more than just um, forgetfulness at this point, that it really is something that has gone uh, into a concern that it could be dementia, that it, you know Alzheimer's being one of them, but that they're starting to see things that are um, people forgetting major events, uh, people asking for transactions that they're then not recalling later, people calling uh, where there's risk that they're, they're asking for money to be transferred into an account for somebody that uh, they're not familiar with, or it may be a, a household employee. Um, and a lot of it is, you know, there's a five alarm fire, we need some help and we need to address things. Um, there are a number of firms that we have started to work with where we help to look at cognitive assessments earlier on uh, with people um, and uh, kind of coaching through those things. But it's also about helping advisors to recognize the signs. And just like a financial advisor would not usually be putting an estate plan together unless they are also you know, an attorney. And when I say that, they're, they're part of a team that's doing that. They're bringing Thea in as part of a team to really look at a holistic approach and overall wellness to their clients as a whole. Um, So it can be anything from we have a client who um, they're turning 65, they're becoming Medicare eligible, we need to start to evaluate a a different insurance plan. Um, It may be a situation where they're starting to think about where they might want to live, what makes for the best places to live, where is it that people should be considering their retirement really from a from a healthcare perspective and what is going to be best for them from a longevity perspective. It could be that there's a um, situation where uh, somebody's just gotten a difficult diagnosis and they're looking at how can they plan for getting to the best doctors, how do they plan for what supportive care treatments uh, they may need, how do they understand if they need home health care, what should they be asking for, how do they identify, should it be a private aid versus somebody coming from an agency, Um, what are some of the different things that are are there. And and there's also the situation where they may have a client where they don't live near any family or what we see very often too are people that we refer to as solo agers um, that don't have family nearby and don't clearly have a go-to person uh, to be helping with some of the issues. Um, and then there's often also the issues where there's just extreme family discord um, and advisors will find themselves in a vulnerable situation where they perhaps haven't gotten to know the next generation of uh, the children as well. They're starting to become concerns, and the children are turning to the advisor saying, you must have a solution for this. And they're finding themselves you know, wanting to try to put something in place, but really realizing that they don't have all the, uh, the answers or, or knowing what to do. So they bring us in as a partner in those situations. That makes total sense. And I have to imagine that it relieves some of the anxiety 
for any of those advisors from having to go into an area that they just don't know very well and trying to navigate whether it's getting that in-home health aid or figuring out which facility is going to be the right match for their client. I, I have to imagine it's a relief to, to send that to all that information and to really rely on you for your expertise in those areas. Yeah, well, it's you know we often say, right, it's a slippery slope, right? I mean, this is kind of the work that we do. If you don't know what you're doing, we say it's often the land of no good deed goes unpunished, right? You think that you're coming in and offering a solution only to find out that it's one of probably 15 things that are needed and you're really not in the right position to do it. But I think similar to what I was saying to Diana earlier about having the conversation, it's often for advisors too. How do they introduce a conversation when there's vulnerability in a family? Um, you know, the last thing an advisor wants to do when they're starting to suspect that forgetfulness may be something more is saying, "Mr. Jones, I, I'm starting to question your your cognition, or you know, are have you you know gone to your doctor and do you think you could be developing dementia?" Some of it is, how do I best introduce this conversation? Here are the concerns I'm seeing with a client. I'm really not sure what I should be doing. Um, you know, is it something that you might come in to meet the clients and tell them about what you do? Or is it something where you can help me to understand how to best address these issues so that I'm protecting the family? Um, and I think that that is a place where, um, you know, the partnership can be uh, quite helpful. But I would also say that what we've seen is that many advisors turn to us and can tell us that or do tell us that uh, Thea has been very helpful to them in creating more stickiness uh, with their multi-generational approach to uh, their portfolio management. And because this really straddles not only their clients that may be older, but also the next generation who may be needing to step in for care that are looking for resources that they wouldn't necessarily think of their advisor for, and now it's becoming an additional touch point for a conversation, if that makes sense. Makes total sense. I guess the other question that comes to mind, you know, based on where we are now in the middle of the pandemic is how do you think both about advisors and families supporting loved ones who are older, who may be either in a facility where you know, visitors are prohibited or there's strict restrictions on people going in or maybe in a medically compromised position and unfortunately may not be as equipped with technology as many people in younger generations are. You know, how do we how do we avoid um, those folks from feeling isolated and how do we support them both as family members and as advisors to make sure they feel included and like they're still connected to the world around them? Yeah, yeah. Arden, you know, it's... Um Social isolation is, is really real, and um, it is something that has such detrimental detrimental effects on people, um, and we've seen that like never before now, and it's not just with our older adults, but for many of us who, who lost basic freedoms, right, of just being able to go places and travel freely. Um, it, what's interesting to me, and, and it was my, my initial take on this too, right, is how can we be better leveraging technology? And certainly as a business, we've done a lot to be able to leverage technology, um, both through COVID and, and certainly even prior to that. But there's so much about what can people do that has stuff to do, that, that is not about advanced technology at this point. Um, making phone calls um, is is so powerful, and I think it's often people think it has to be this big event. Um, one of the things that's most effective for people that we often get a response of, oh, gosh, I never really thought of that, is thinking about 
what could be the loneliest time of day for somebody. Um, and it often is that time kind of between two o'clock and five o'clock where, you know, it's after the busyness of the morning, it's after lunch, it's potentially after a nap for an older adult. Um, and there's that time, there's that sort of dead time until it may be dinner time or time to be um, engaging and a basic phone call to somebody just to check in and, and do things. Um, can can work wonders. Um, you know, we often say, and, and there's a, a story, I've, if you'd indulge me, that I would love to share um, about something that a, a client family um, started. And it wasn't, I wouldn't say that it was intentional the way that this, this began. Um, but this is a situation where there is uh, an older uh, woman in her 70s, which I wouldn't say is older. We have plenty of clients that are in their hundreds, but she has a very difficult uh, neuromuscular disease, and her husband has been um, you know, home and, and with her. They have round-the-clock care, but part of it was how could he be engaging with his granddaughter, and um, she didn't live nearby. And the son said, Dad, I really wish you would do with her what you did with me when I was a kid and you traveled so much. And he said, what was that? And he said, we used to read to each other on the phone. And this family, and I, I just, I love this story. Um, they the daughter, the granddaughter's 10, and the grandfather and granddaughter have been reading the Chronicles of Narnia series, uh, where she's reading one page and he's reading another page. Sometimes they're doing it on Zoom, but oftentimes they're doing it by phone. And what I love about this is this is about connectivity, right? This is this is giving her something. It's giving her parents something. This started this summer where she couldn't be at camp and the parents were both trying to work at home and they were feeling strained. And But it was also giving so much to the grandfather to find a way to connect with her when they were so far apart. And I think to me what that story shares, and it's something we've, we've developed a whole series of books that um, are so wonderful that, that people can share in this way. You know, it's, it's about sharing an experience, right? And it's not, this is not high tech. I mean, yes, it requires that you have a phone and yes, it requires that you have hearing capabilities, but it's um, it really is something that's so special. And you think about when that series was written, um, you know, it's 50 plus years old, I think, right? It's just, uh, so I just, I love that, you know, and I think that those are the types of things of, it doesn't have to be this big event. Um, sometimes it's even just asking somebody, can you tell me what it was like when you were growing up? Can you tell me, um, you know, what your house looked like? Can you tell me what kind of music you looked at? For older adults, having the ability to go back in time and speak to those longer term memories is often what awakens them, um, and it is something where it's not. You know, it's oftentimes the shorter term memory issues that are those that are more um, have a higher rate of uh, decline as we get older. But bringing people back to the past is something that the grandchildren can learn from, and the older adults often enjoy speaking about. That's beautiful. It is a beautiful, just a, a beautiful example of one of the gifts that we can get from this time, because I hate to say it, but I would imagine had there not been a pandemic, there would have been more of an attempt to you know see one another in person. And, and perhaps this experience of reading side by side just would have not been possible given all the other commitments that families and young people have these days. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's forced us to all slow down a little bit, right? And in, uh, in a way, you know, I think it's... Um, I tend to be cup half full to begin with, but I think it is, you know, taking a step back and thinking about what's really important. 
Um, and, you know, I think it is, how can we, can we make these connections? And it doesn't have to be a big event, right? I think sometimes if somebody's isolated and they're not seeing other people, even a five-minute call just to touch base can, can be a, a mood definer for them. Um, so, you know, we're, we're big on just reaching out and making that connection. It's a great reminder. Well, Joanna, we love to end our podcast with the question for our guests around some things to consider um, related to health, well-being, and wealth. So I wanted to see what you would suggest for our listeners um, as some things to consider as it relates to the field that you're in around supporting older adults. Yeah. So, you know, Arden, I think so So often with this, right, it is, you know, we talked a little bit about this. People don't want to plan ahead and they don't want to have these difficult conversations. And what we often say, you know, kind of to leave people with is, you know, this is not a matter of if, it's a matter of when, right? Life comes full circle. It's part of... Um, it's the great equalizer for all of us, right? This this is not something that, that we change, right? No matter how much wealth we have, no matter how much education we have, it's, it's part of what it is. And I think um, for people to realize that chances are they're going to be caught off guard, right? This is not something that comes as a planned event. And especially when we think about things like dementia, um, it can go from forgetfulness and it seems like it's a slow drip and then all of a sudden it comes on like a freight train and it's scary. And, you know, we we engage in these things, but it doesn't have to be this way. And I think that for people um, to take a step back and to look at what has changed about your thinking, what have you, what did you miss most, what, what got taken away from you during the pandemic, and just thinking about some of the basic questions about having those conversations. Where do people want to live? How do they want to age? Who are they dependent on? And do you have the information that you would need to act? So, you know, when I said to Diana earlier, you're not always going to have somebody that's going to be a willing participant in a discussion about aging, but where you can empower yourself is knowing their routine, knowing who their doctors are, knowing what their medications are, what their allergies might be, what their wishes are, but do you have a game plan to act if a crisis were to occur? Um, and I think, you know, we've certainly developed a, a whole process and platform around that based on our experience um, in, in guiding families um, that we intend to take uh, to a broader scalable option as we, as we move into 2021 to be able to approach a, a broader set of families. Um, but it really is, you know, this is... We really believe, and I, I think it's true, health is your greatest wealth at the end of the day. And thinking about your health and your longevity in your overall balance sheet, um, you, know, you have lots of trusted advisors that work with you to do your financial planning, your legal planning, your health planning beyond just who your doctor is, is something that is so critical for people to consider. So I just hope that um, you know maybe our conversation today for those people that listen inspires them to, to think about that. And um, you know if, if they feel that they need somebody to help be support, uh, to advocate, or to help them understand what resources are, are available, Thea is certainly there to do that. Thank you. Wonderful. So, Joanna, thank you so much for being a guest today. I think you have a lot of interesting points for all of our listeners. And thank you to all of you who tuned in to Beyond the Balance Sheet podcast. All right, thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure to uh, talk with you. And I look forward to hopefully seeing you soon. Thank you for listening to Beyond the Balance Sheet 
a podcast designed to help advisors, clinical professionals, and affluent families solve some of their biggest medical, psychiatric, and emotional challenges. Visit beyondthebalancesheet.com to read more about our guests and resources and sign up for our newsletter.